It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And we are back in beautiful Berea, Ohio, sitting across from the team facility uh, in this wind tunnel of a tent that uh, you've heard us from before, but no toilet truck out here. There was one sitting there, so we had to avoid it. Um, Let's get to it. Six topics we haven't pre-discussed, so let's go. Scott, take us away. All right, let's get this over with. Let's (laughs) talk about the kickers. Um, It was a... It was a day that we've seen, I think, too many times from the kickers, and I'm certain Freddie's seen it too many times. Uh, both of them missed kicks during the field goal period. Uh, Austin Seibert missed two. Uh, Greg Joseph also missed two. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the team periods, when they were doing a drive a period towards the end of practice, um, Greg Joseph made it from 44, I believe. Yep. And then Seibert missed from 40. Um Afterwards, Freddie said they're not looking to replace the kickers at this point. Uh, but it seems like they're going to be scouring the uh, the waiver wire once once there are cuts. And that week in between the last preseason game and, and week one um, could see some new legs in here. Yeah, you know what? They, they have to be looking at this. They have to be talking about it. When we asked Freddie about this yesterday in a conference call, if it's been discussed with John Dorsey, he said, yes, it has been, like they do talk about it with everyone. But right now, they're going to give them a chance uh, to finish out this week, to go down to Tampa, and uh, to see if they have an opportunity to kick in the game. They need to redeem themselves. Right now, I've already basically written off Austin Seibert as as a viable option to be the starting kicker for the Cleveland Browns this year. I've seen him miss way too many kicks. They're not under pressure right now. These are the easy times when you have to be making them. So for him to, to miss a 37-yarder today and then a 40-yarder in, in practice, the answer is no right there. Greg Joseph, I still think you know he's missing some longer kicks. The one he missed in the game was 53, and the two he missed today were 53 and 56. So I still think he has a chance, but I do think they have to look at it. Well, and here's the thing Greg Joseph has going for him. As much as Freddie Kitchens likes to say last year doesn't matter, last year was last year, the reality is is Greg Joseph did go out last year, and he did win you a football game, and he did make some kicks last year. He only missed three field goals, and I struggled on extra points. So at the very least... You've got this little sliver of trust. If you need to send Greg Joseph out in week one or week two to win a football game, you've at least seen him do it before. That doesn't mean it's going to happen again, and that doesn't mean that he's exactly winning the job. It's more kind of getting it by default at that point. But 
that's what he has going for him. Both these guys have the facts going for them. There's nobody out there for this team right now to replace them. Um, so they've got that going for him too, and somebody can maybe take a hold of this. But the reality is the Browns found Greg Joseph off the scrap heap last year. So there'll be somebody out there that they're going to bring in and try out, and they're going to like. And if you go into, you know, if you struggle against Tampa, you struggle against Detroit, if this team has to go into the opener with this kicking situation, you've you got to start making kicks consistently. And one, one thing, uh, one name to keep an eye on is Dan Bailey. He, uh, you know, they're looking to possibly replace him with a kicker punter in Minnesota. And if, if the guy that they have wins that job, Dan Bailey could possibly come free. He kicked for Mike Prefer last year, and he's a veteran. He was a Pro Bowler in 2015. Somebody to keep an eye on. And Prefer was part of that signing, too. Mm-hmm. He, he signed there in the middle of the season after Dallas moved on. So, well, not the middle of the season, but early in right. the season. Uh, all right, topic number two, Mary Kay. I am going to go with uh, Drew Forbes gaining steam at right guard. Uh, we saw him in there again a little bit today. Eric Cush is still out with the first team, lining up the first team. But Drew Forbes uh, has been getting you know some kudos from the coaches over the last few practices, and uh, he's worked in there a little bit at right guard in the red zone against the against the Colts. Did so a little bit in the game. Also worked a little bit at left guard. They like Drew Forbes. They like what they see from him, and I think that they're not ready to call this yet because they want to see if he can step up and win it. This is this is the typical football coach move. Like, in a game, coaches do everything they can to not make a decision that'll end or win a game. They want to wait till the exact last possible minute. That's why everybody gets upset when Hugh Jackson goes for two with you know, nine minutes left or whatever it was. They're doing the same thing with kicker and with right guard. Right. These decisions probably could have been made earlier in camp. Mm-hmm. They could have just picked somebody, but... We're still rotating. Kendall Lamb is even getting yeah. reps in there, and it just seems like something that's never going to end. It seems like it's going to be Eric Cush, but they're just going to keep throwing people in there, and we'll see what happens. You know, if, I, I don't know how Drew Forbes all of a sudden wins this job from Eric Cush, lays down the best pancake block <laughs> ever. I don't know, but we're we're going to see more people apparently. Yeah, I mean, I think they just. In both cases, I just think they want somebody to win the job. Like, Freddie came in with it, and he said it, kind of indicated this before. He wants someone to win the job. He doesn't want to just throw somebody out there and say, here's the job. He wants somebody to win right guard. He wants somebody to win kicker. And none of these guys have taken advantage of it. Um, Austin Corbett's, I guess, technically still in the discussion because they aren't saying he's not, but he's not really in the discussion anymore. The guy's a center at this point. Um nobody's taking control of that job and I think that's a little concerning and right now Eric Cush is kind of your your leader by default because he's the veteran who's played before but Drew Forbes told us back in the spring he was he was getting real comfortable playing on the inside um, he kind of liked that sort of fight in a phone booth mentality he's kind of built more like a guard than a tackle so you know he's, he's kind of playing his way up the depth chart right now well when I asked Freddie on a conference call yesterday aren't you kind of running out at time to decide upon your right guard and he took a little bit of offense to that and he basically said, you know, where does it say in the rule book that, you know, we don't have to have a starting right guard until, you know, we, we need one on September 8th. Well, everything that I've heard in many, many years of covering football, those five guys have got to be working together. They've got to be communicating. They've got to be working like the, uh, you know, five fingers on a hand together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think that they are running out of time. So they, I think they either have to decide 
that it, that it is Eric Cush, or they better really quickly start giving Drew Forbes a bunch of first-team reps. So it's a fair commitment. That's what I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Fair um, commitment. All right, topic number three. I'm going to have to go back and like keep score of how many times we've each brought up topics in these podcasts, because I think I probably brought this one up about 20 times. But Damian Ratley is back. And so that brings us to, of course, talking about the wide receiver depth chart, which continues to uh, sort of fluctuate. We've seen guys kind of grab hold and then let go, and, and now Damian Ratley's back. Of course, a John Dorsey draft pick. Uh, he got some work with the first team today. Jalen Strong continues to work with the first team. The mystery of Derek Willies going back to Saturday when he didn't play wide receiver at all in the first half, and it felt like maybe he had almost locked up a roster spot a couple weeks ago. Um, th- this is a very much a situation in flux, and Damian Ratley um, is finally back out there. Said he had to wait till he was 100%. Don't want to go out at 75% and get hurt again. Uh, he, you know, he's going to make a push here in these last two games uh, for one of those jobs. And this, of course, with Antonio Callaway being suspended, there is that extra spot there. Yeah, and we've been waiting all camp to, to see what, what does Damian Ratley mean to this depth chart. And we didn't really get a good idea today, but. Um, you know, I think, like you said, him having a, a couple first-team reps is probably significant. And there goes a big truck <laughs> passing by. Like we said, it's it's very close to the road here, folks. Um, yeah, no, getting first-team reps, I think that was something that you kind of everybody kind of noticed that you know he didn't really have to work his way back in. He's somebody that they see as significant, and they want to give him chance to make up ground. And because he got a lot of ground to make up, because there's been a lot of receivers who've had their day here, and you know he's been off to the side on the bike. Well, Freddie Kitchens really likes a lot of things about Damian Ratley, including his speed. We've talked about this before. You can't coach speed. You have to have speed on your field. You want to take the top off of a defense. So when you can get a couple guys out on the field with speed, uh, that really is an asset to your offense. And he's got that. And I think he showed some things last year. I mean, he needed development. And I think the hamstring was a huge disappointment because I, ex- I think they expected him to really take the step up. So now he's got to close that gap. He's got he's to work very quickly to get back to where uh, he needs to be right now. But he's somebody that they really want to make this football team. Um, the other thing to really keep an eye on is special teams. You know, he talked today about special teams. He can cover. Uh, he can block. He can play gunner. Um, that might be the deciding factor for these guys, for those last maybe two wide receiver spots or whatever it ends up being. Uh, it might just be what they can get out of these guys on special teams. And we've talked about this with Sheehy Giuseppe. Unfortunately for him, outside of being able to return, that's not really something he offers. He can't cover. Um, he can't do other things on special teams. And frankly, he hasn't really locked himself in much as a wide receiver either. He hasn't made a lot of plays there. Right. Um, so I think... As of right now, he's probably out of the discussion. But, you know, D.J. Montgomery's another guy that we haven't talked about, but he was getting run uh, with the first team. He was excused today for uh, a personal matter. Uh, topic number four, Scott. Uh, let's talk about scout teams. Because for the first time at training camp, we've seen today we saw the Browns kind of practice against scout team, both uh, offensively and defensively. Um, you had Damon Sheehy Giuseppe out there pretending to be Bashad Perriman uh, <laughs> of the Buccaneers. Uh, and I think Freddie said that, they're not necessarily looking at the third game as a dress rehearsal, which is kind of the traditional thinking, but seeing them out there today, obviously preparing for, for the Buccaneers, um, I don't know, it, it makes me think that we're actually going to see more of, uh, obviously more first team and, and 
maybe it is a dress rehearsal. I mean, how did you guys take that, seeing so much scout team work today? I, I would be curious how much of it was the Bucks and how much of it was maybe starting to turn their attention towards Tennessee a little bit, too. Um, you know, we're getting to that point. We talked about the opener, and we were looking at the practice schedule, Mary Kay, that they sent out in their notes, like... There's not a lot of practices left that we're going to see. Right. The team has some days off. Um, you know, we're, we're coming up to it. I think we're two weeks from Sunday uh, is the opener. So, you know, this was the first time, like you said, Scott, that we've gotten to see them with the scout team. Scout team's working off a card. Um, it, it was a little interesting that they did that in an open practice. Um, but, oh, hey there. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is just sort of a reminder that we're getting there. We're getting real yes. close to uh, to playing the Titans very soon, mm-hmm. and uh, th- this team's going to start getting into game mode. Yeah, that's that's what I think it was. It, it's time. It's time to start thinking about the Titans, and they've got to be getting ready. And when Freddie talks about a sense of urgency, and when he talks about uh, seeing that light, and it's the light on the front of a train coming at you, <laughs> that's what's happening. The Titans are coming at them very, very quickly. And uh, we did. We saw a lot of the scout team, and then they reverted back to ones versus ones in a couple of regular-type camp uh, team periods. But for the most part, it is now time to look ahead to the regular season. All right, topic five, Mary Kay. Uh, Topic five is Odell Beckham Jr. uh, still sitting out of team reps uh, and just not getting much time. Now, in individual drills, he made a spectacular <laughs> catch today. Yes, so he can still do those kinds of things, obviously. And when we see him warming up out here, he looks absolutely fine. I mean, I saw him doing, uh, you know, different squats and things today that it, do- it doesn't look like there's any hip issue. He's dancing and everything. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. dancing. He's, he's moving very, very well. Uh, so I really don't think that he's very injured. I mean, maybe he's got a little bit of a tweaked hip. Uh, in some way, shape, or form. But for the most part, I think they're putting him in bubble wrap to get him ready for the season. They know that he's missed 21 games over his first five years. They know he got injured in preseason against Brienne Body Calhoun in 2017. Hasn't played a game since then in preseason. I don't expect to see him against the Tampa Bay Bucks on Friday night. I just don't. And I, I think they are just trying to get him to the opener. And I asked Demarius about that today. Is that any kind of a concern in any way, shape, or form that he's not practicing? He was like, basically are you kidding me it's odell it's not anything to worry about yeah freddie says the past doesn't matter but i'm guessing that uh odell beckham jr's recent history in the preseason and what happened here probably played a little bit into this and and somebody got to him and said you know what there's really no point in doing this because this is a major key in our offense and there's no reason plus you have a depth chart at wide receiver that's pretty good now, you know? Yeah. This isn't uh, the, the wide receiver room of, uh, of even a year ago or the year right. before that. It's 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 pretty deep, and you, we've seen guys down the, the depth chart make plays, so there are people out there to help Baker get the offense moving, and Beckham doesn't have to be that guy. Yep. All right, topic number six. Um, we're going to go broad here. Mm-hmm. So there was a report today uh that NFL players and owners have expressed an openness to expanding the playoff field, and that would allow them to offset revenue loss if they went to three preseason games. Mm-hmm. Um, we've sort of experienced this year now that the Browns are a football team that is kind of settled in a lot of spots. There's no quarterback duel. There aren't a lot of really intriguing battles to watch. We just saw on Saturday night, you know, they didn't play a bunch of starters. Uh, the guys, that, the starters that did play didn't really play very long. 
you know, the Jets lost one of their important players to an ACL tear, uh, got playing deep into the second half of a game. So where I'm going with this is, do we really need four preseason games anymore? Is it time for the NFL to say, and, and listen, the bottom line is, and it's right here in, in this in this story, the bottom line is it's about revenue. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a way to get to reduce the number of preseason games. Absolutely. I mean, four is just too many and exposes guys to too much risk. The Rams didn't even travel a bunch of their starters to their last preseason game. They just left them home. Yeah, you know what? I mean, if anybody watched the Browns game against the Colts, <laughs> I mean, I think uh, that right there is a telltale sign that, yeah. you know, the preseason is basically meaningless now. So, you know, I think two would be plenty. Two would be absolutely plenty. I'd be for expanding uh, the, the playoff teams. I would be all for that. And also, I would be for eliminating, and I've talked to uh, at least one player in the league who wants to do this, eliminating joint practice sessions. Because, I know, we've got... Trucks everywhere. It's a truck convention here. It is a truck. What the heck? Every two seconds, a truck is <laughs> Um I just think that joint practices should have to be collectively bargained. I've said this before. And actually, I've talked to a player in the league that... Um, did mention that in the next uh, negotiations for the CBA that they will be trying to cut those out of there. Imagine buying your tickets to that Colts Browns game back in in May or something, and think, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to see uh, Andrew Luck and Baker Mayfield for like the first quarter right. or something." And no, no, you didn't get that. No, nope. you didn't get much anything really. It was like a game only a coach who has to break down film. Could yes, love. absolutely. But yeah, I think two preseason games is probably plenty. Um, I don't know if that means uh, you probably want to keep. The beginning of training camp the way it, the way it is and give everybody you know practices going into those two preseason games but I like the idea of expanding the playoffs that I think that's a good idea I think um, you know the NFL isn't like baseball where there's so many teams without hope there's more uh, more chances to, to get into the playoffs in the NFL more chances to turn around a team but adding adding another slot or two I think I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see it become like the NBA or the NHL no. where more than half the teams get in. I like I like it when good teams miss the playoffs, but I think these preseason games are just brutal. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, in a perfect world, you take these games to, like, the University of Akron or something like that and open the gates up for free and let fans just come watch, and then they aren't paying full game price to go watch Damon Sheehy, Giuseppe play wide receiver or whatever it is. Um, it's just tough. Now... To be fair, the Colts did have a little sleepover after the game, and the Lego Movie 2 was, was running, and I don't know. But, yeah, it just feels like as this preseason has worn on, and finally the Browns have kind of caught up to the rest of the NFL and are treating this like a real preseason, uh, it, it kind of hits home here that, man, four games is a lot, even when the barge is on the line in that fourth preseason game. You know, I had to keep bringing Dan away from the movie and back to finishing his stories the other night in the I press haven't seen, I hadn't seen the Lego movie too yet. What can I say? I saw the first one, but I never saw the second one. All right, that'll do it for this edition, this very loud uh, industrial edition of the Orange or Brown Talk <laughs> podcast for Scott and Mary Kay. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.